0: Hello everybody and welcome to the race review for the Portuguese Grand Prix from the Winging It F1 podcast. I am Freddie Coates and I'm here with Nigel Chew and Adam Dickinson and we're going to take you through uh, our opinions and a little bit of a report from that pretty decent race at the Algarve circuit in Portimao. Nigel, how are you? Uh, What did you think of Portugal in Formula One again?
1: I thought it was a great race. Yeah, it was, I think, I think uh, I wasn't expecting too much of it, but the nature of the circuit, fast and flowing, it seems to really work with F1. Was so on lots of overtakes, and great hard racing as well. So yeah, I'd love it if F1 came back to Portimao. Maybe use the, use the different first turn so we can see more overtaking on the brakes. But other than that, I think it was great to see the cars on a on such a fast track like Portimao.
0: And Adam, how are you doing? You having a good day? Did you, did you think that Portomao deserves to replace Catalunya? I'm
2: am pl- starting yeah, that bit. I'm saying put, it should. Paul Ricard, I'd say Paul Ricard um, probably would be my first choice for taking off a European <laughs> race in place of Portomao. I thought, I mean, some of the camera shots um, coming kind of over the hill and down for the last corner. Um, was absolutely brilliant and there were a few kind of like that coming over a rise and then dipping down were brilliant yeah good race um crazy first lap and then battle at the front kind of wasn't you know after the first quarter of the race it kind of went away but yeah i thought a good race nonetheless and some good action at the end as well
0: yeah let's start at the beginning then no better place to start when we talk about lap one um it was and lap two by extension was just I don't know how many times I sort of made little yelp noises at every little thing that happened. We had Kimi Raikkonen up, up 10 places from 16th on the grid. We had um, we had Valtteri Bottas dropping to fourth at turn one and then being second at turn four and then being in the lead at turn eight. We had Max Verstappen nerfing Sergio Perez after he had been hung out to drive by Valtteri oh, Bottas well, himself. He well,
1: well, didn't nerf him off. What were you on about? That's,
0: yeah, it was a racing incident. Um, and then we had lock-ups lock ups galore all over the place. And then to, to top it off, Carlos Sainz came through and took the lead on lap two just because he was just the fastest on track. So
1: what happened there? Uh, I think it was a mixture of a bit of rain, cold tyres, brand new track service, new track as well, Uh And I think they just none of the drivers could get the tires up to temperature because these Pirelli tires are so fickle and they're hard to get into the optimal window. And science, or the McLaren drivers, maybe they started with higher, higher tire, higher tire pressures, which helped them in the first few laps, which is why they were so quick. Of course, the Mercedes drivers started on the mediums, which didn't help them. And yeah, science was was the first of the soft tire runs after Verstappen. Had a few scruffy corners on the on the opening lap. And Riker and he started on the soft tire as well and just blitzed his way through the field so calmly, used all of his experience to get into sixth place. It was remarkable. One of the best first laps I've seen for, for quite some time. So yeah, I think the tight ty- the just cold tire temperatures and the new surface caused some chaos at the start. It was great to see.
2: Adam, yeah, I think when with the Perez incident, on first viewing, I thought, "Oh, that's that's fault." But then, once they showed the replay, then I thought, "Oh, yeah, it's more of a racing incident." But you know, Perez could have been in first, kind of the way it, yeah. the way it went. Um, yeah, the Mercedes just couldn't get get any heat into the tyres at the start, and yeah, really struggled. It, I, it, it never seemed like it'd stay that way. I think for me, anyway, it always felt like they'd come back. And but you know, it's it's just nice. Nice seeing different cars at the front, and that's what we've got with probably um, out of the picture. We've only got two teams at the front, and you know when when one of their drivers and one of the teams is having a bad day, you know you're getting more teams at the front. And it's really good to see. So yeah, I thought it was a it was a brilliant start.
0: Yeah, I'm still trying to get used to seeing a pink car challenging Mercedes, but it's actually normal this year, and um, I think yeah, that's pretty amazing personally. Um, Kimi Räikkönen obviously had the, the benefit of finishing the formation lap, the latest of the soft tyre runners. And that has absolutely, I mean, more by luck than judgment for Alfa Romeo, but that's, you know, catapulted him right up there. And he finished in 11th on the road. So no points, it's a bit of a shame. But 11th with 19 finishes, um, that's really good for Alfa Romeo. Do you think that's, that's just brilliant from them? Do you have anything to talk about for that?
1: Absolutely, it was a fantastic result for them, and Raikkonen couldn't have done much more. He even finished ahead of a Red Bull. I know, mad, <laughs> isn't it? He kept him behind, even though he's in the faster camp. But yeah, yeah, it was, it was great from Raikkonen, and I think he's he's had a pretty good year all round. But I think this race was probably one of his best. Alfa Romeo got the strategy correct as well, because they have made a few errors this year in the races when they've had chance chances to get points. Uh, with a bit more luck they would have cuz there was only one uh, re- retirement so they were unlucky not to score a few world championship points on there
0: uh, i'd say that's one of his best drives since he left ferrari arguably better mm. than a lot of the drives he had while he was at his second stint at ferrari maybe it's one of his best drives in the past 10 years
2: definitely yeah i think the you know obviously they had the the luck with being you know the the last soft tyre to form up as you say but you know you still got to be able to make those moves and you know not not be too gung-ho but equally you know be able to stick your stick your car in. and we were discussing a bit before that you know he's on the fairest driver on track you know in wheel-to-wheel action and you know I think that's that really came out and yeah. helped him today and yeah as you said showing all of his experience.
1: Yeah this, this first lap it was it was kind of like center at Donington I don't know if that's overhyping it too much but uh, I think F1 have uploaded it on YouTube and it, it really was <clears throat> oh god my voice is going it really was some, something special from Räikkönen
0: from they had uploaded it on the website before the end of the race because they knew it was already amazing <laughs> and uh, yeah. Räikkönen has said at the end of the race said, I don't think the start itself was very good I lost a place but then after that honestly I thought <laughs> at one point what are the others doing? <laughs> <laughs> so he just got on with it and was just oh look at that fair enough oh look there's Leclerc
2: Cool. At one point was he was he ahead of Leclerc. I know they were together, was it? He him? Was side by yeah, side was on
0: turn two. He heard he, he yeah. for a move. In a gaggle in a with um, with uh, I think with Hamilton yeah. and Verstappen as well.
2: Yeah. <laughs> I was kinda of thinking which is the biggest surprising those two drivers there. But um, but yeah, I think and that's given us our title for the podcast as well, they sent a Donington link, so Double, yeah, Kimi Räikkönen
0: finally doing what he should do, yeah. being like Senna. Um,
2: so yeah, we, we into compared him, him to Senna and Mick Schumacher to Bruno Senna. It's all, yeah. all going yeah. well.
0: <laughs> Anyone can be linked to a, a Senna family member. Um, you touched on him there, Adam, but another driver who I think has stunned this race just gone is Charles Leclerc. Um, once again, completely outperform. Oh, not outperforming the car. You can't outperform a car, but really getting the, to the limits of the car in qualifying uh, in fourth. And we've seen that a few times from the clerk Magello and Nurburgring spring out where but he where he's dropped back in the race quite quite noticeably. But in Portimao, Charles Clerk managed to stay there and hold on to fourth, and at some point looked like he could well be challenging for the podium.
1: Yeah, it was. Absolutely incredible. Again, it's not the first time that Sheila clothes has done something like this. I think for me now, he is the best qualifier on the grid, I reckon. Even better than the Verstappen or whoever. Yeah. Uh, the way he hooks up the lap to put the sectors together is just phenomenal. And then yeah, in the race, it was his weak, weak point last year, but he proved again in, in Portugal that, even with the tricky tyre temperatures and the tyres were a bit weird at the weekend, he managed to uh, to get on top of that pretty well, and which is why he he was in fourth. And uh, yeah, it was just incredible. There's, I just wish, you know, Ferrari were up there and stuff. But for Leclerc to be doing this, this is even better than last year, which a lot of people regarded quite high, quite highly.
2: That's what I was about to ask. Do you think this year is better than? And last yeah, year, Freddy, uh, well I think Leclerc was definitely the
0: best qualifier last year as well. He got seven polls, he got the most polls of anyone last year in um, yes, in a fast Ferrari, but you know, he still took on the might of Hamilton and Bottas, who are, you know, qualifying greats at the moment. Um, so I'd say Leclerc, if you're in that Mercedes, would be unstoppable. If you're in the best car in the group, be unstoppable qualifying.
2: Mm. and he's finally, yeah, like you say he's finally bringing I, around the put, race drives I think um, I'd, I'd probably put Lassie a bit ahead just because there's no pressure like the front of the race and in your second season in F1, you know, that's yeah, such a massive achievement, especially given who his teammate was and is um, but yeah, I think this is just kind of the best second season he could have had given the car, you know he's, he's just completely maximised what he could have got out of this year, I think
1: I mean, he's five points off fourth in the championship. I think, which is just—I just—that's unbelievable. considering he's, the car Ferrari have had.
0: He's in that position with the constructors' championship. The car is in the bottom half, and he's in the top five yeah. of the of the drivers' championship. I don't yeah. think that's ever happened before. I think I'd be—I would put a bet on the fact that there's probably not been a driver that high up in the drivers' championship in a car that's that low in the constructors' championship. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Incredible. He was he was seven tenths clear or six tenths clear one of the two of, of Vettel in Q two and they were both on medium tyres. He got through to Q two. He got
1: through Q three on
0: medium tyres in that Ferrari.
1: Hmm. I don't know. Although it should be said think Although was the medium better? Weird. Oh yeah. I Ford, mean, no one really one knows. That? Yeah, it was because Mercedes qualified on in Q three on mediums, and it? it was really weird. Uh, yeah. Either way, it doesn't it doesn't discredit what. McClellan, they didn't qualify in all all the race. No,
2: he's he's got about four point four times as many points as his teammate. You know he's <laughs> if you take his you know his points away from Ferrari and have two Vettels, you know they'd be right down there. So he is really you know although although they are still in the bottom half, you know they are. He's making them look even better than they are. They're doing the right thing as a team because they've brought upgrades and they're obviously shaping them around
0: Leclerc a bit more, obviously. But they're doing the right thing because he's where the pace is and he's where the future is. And if the car is being pushed slightly towards Leclerc, it's working. So keep up with that, Ferrari. Yeah. Yeah. Um, We know you listen to this. Keep it up. Yeah, we know you listen to this, Ferrari. (laughs) Um, How are you? Um, So even though we know Ferrari listens to this, why don't we... um, (laughs) <laughs> embarrassed him about their second driver, um, four time world champion Sebastian Vettel. He got a point! Hooray! No, yeah, not hooray.
1: No, <laughs>
0: not hooray. It, it's
2: just. I'll leave the floor to Nigel.
1: Oh, it's just disappointing, isn't it? I mean, <laughs> you can't be happy with a point. You can't be happy finishing six, however far behind he was in Corp fan on the race. It, it's just embarrassing. He made up five places in the race. Right, could have made ten in the first lap. <laughs>
0: yeah, precisely. <laughs> they, got, they got rid of the wrong driver. <laughs> he qualified <laughs> behind George Russell. <laughs> we, it, The thing Don't is, this,
1: Portugal wasn't anything new. The last We haven't really spoken about Vettel for about a month or two now. The last four or five races <laughs> have been pretty poor. I'm always used to it. Uh, I just. I guess we'll have to wait for next year, whether to find out whether we should just this year is an outlier and and he's lost his confidence as well, whether this is just a true Sebastian Vettel. But at the moment, he's probably not even he's not even in like the, probably the top ten drivers on the grid this this season. Mm. Um, for a four-time world champion, it's it's just so so poor. Now um, I, I just. I just can't believe it, really. I just, I just don't know how, how has it got to this stage. Even if you go with the conspiracies that it doesn't, that the cars not favouring him and whatever, he shouldn't be this far behind of a driver who's only this third season.
2: Yeah, I think, and it's it's crazy to think that he was seriously linked with Mercedes at the start <laughs> of the season.
1: <laughs>
2: we, we we don't know how those how far those conversations got behind closed doors. I don't think they got that far, but you know it was something that people wanted, something that people push were pushing for. And I think, was um, it Toto Wolf or was it Mercedes who were backing but one one of the parties, um, you know, big parties at the team out of um, Lewis, Toto and, and the company of Mercedes were kind of it was thought that he would be their pick to get into the seat and Well there were big rumors yeah, there were big rumours that the board
0: wanted Vettel because he's such a big force in Germany and obviously Germany is such a big marketing perspective yeah. from from Mercedes, um, being a German team, and if they can have dream, sort of the dream team of the 2010s, which is Hamilton and Vettel, the champions, and they obviously had Rosberg as well, which is I think still occasionally linked as an ambassador. Um, then they, as a marketing perspective, that's brilliant. I think that was heavily pushed by Oliver Kylanyus, but they just, but they've pushed back and said, no, we've got the best driver of all time in Lewis Hamilton. And we've got a really good team relationship with Valtteri Bottas. Let's keep up with that. I don't think that was that's how that happened. I think they only really said it, it'd be foolish mm. to ignore Vettel,
2: but that was about it. Mm. Mm. Yeah, and you know, if, if he was, if he was in the seat next year, I think it'd be very, very sad for a lot of Vettel fans to see, you know, the kind of direct comparison, final direct comparison, <laughs> I imagine being so one-sided. Nigel, sorry, no, uh,
1: no, it's all right. Uh... Yeah, it's a good thing he's signed up for Aston Martin already because with the with the performances he's put yes. in, I I wouldn't be signing him up. Mm-hmm.
0: And the driver two, two. he is going to be partnered with Aston Martin.
1: Oh, no. nice segue there. <laughs> oh, sorry, I, I wanted to I say something, you're going but I've
0: cut him off now. Um, <laughs> um, anyway, I will carry on with the segue. Um, yes, is Lance Stroll who who had a, a bit of a dire weekend in Portugal. It, it didn't start well for him on Friday when he turned in on Max Verstappen um, after they were unnecessarily side by side in practice, and at the same corner he turned in on Lando Norris. Basically, who's fault do you think it was,
1: Rudy? Really. Hmm.
0: I think <laughs> I think he just it looked like when he was against Norris, he just still went straight to the apex to me. I think he could have given him a bit more room, so I would lean that to stroll. I think five seconds was the right penalty. He didn't deserve a ten second or anything, so
1: yeah,
2: um, we, um yeah, I mean, we saw a lot of moves of that same type into that corner, but just you know he was so late actually getting alongside and getting you know half past Norris that you know just wasn't ever on and kind of even. Even as he was turning in before they'd actually made contact, then I thought, you know, there's there's still another car there. Just from Lance's on board, you know, you could you could tell that Norris would still be there unless mm. you know he'd have to have cut the corner. I think to have to avoided it. Um, he was able know, to it, get it pretty well alongside on the braking. His
0: Lance Stroll's mm. braking was pretty good, particularly on the on the cur- slippery curbs. He was able to mm. he was wobbling a bit, but he braked pretty well to get it stopped and not lock up and to make the corner. So he he had the, enough control of the car to give Norris more room. Yeah,
1: that's because he got, got he completely it?
2: it. Yeah, he just um, needed to run it out wide and you know take take the battle through because we saw several battles you know continuing yeah. through the next sector and you know it's just yeah I have I've not seen uh, Norris on board but you know from the from the wide shots and Stroll's on board it's just seemed you know such. Yeah, there's clearly another car there. You can't just turn in and hope, hope that he's taken evasive action or whatever. Again, it was interesting
1: because on I think on Friday the majority of F1 fans, I guess, were saying that it it was the fault and the Stoffel Stroll and I thought it was Stroll's fault. And I think I think it was on strong. Sunday it was Stroll did the yeah, same I thing. He just turned in, you know, expecting a car not to be there. You can't. You can't really do that as a racing driver. Your spatial awareness, because you because he's got the whole straight to look in the mirror and know that, know that the car is there, uh, and he just didn't leave the car's width, and it was a bit bit bizarre that he. That he's just so risky. It was it was an unnecessary risk to take. Uh, so yeah, I think it was a fair penalty, and yeah, you know, not the best weekend for for Lance stroll. Regarding
0: the Friday incident, the Racing Point's line, well, pretty immediately but continuously, was that Lance didn't see Max, and Ridiculous. that's accepting blame. Surely, Max was on his on his gearbox from turn fourteen all through <laughs> the straight. He pulled out at the DRS zone to go alongside him. He was alongside him. Yes, admittedly halfway alongside him, but I I don't know. Mirrors on F one cars aren't amazing, but you can presumably see, have enough experience in how long oh, yeah. they've got a sixth sense. The drivers,
1: yeah, they've got a and sixth
0: sense to be able to see just in the corner of their periphery a car moving out to come alongside, and what does he do? Doesn't he even care and just turns in.
1: Well, if recent point- is- yeah, Adam,
2: no, um, oh. okay, um, yeah, I think <laughs> it is a bit. I think it is a bit of a different incident because with, with Norris, he kind of come from behind, seen him. Mm. you know seen him and overtaken him so he'd had him in his sight for the whole thing so he knew he was there um and you know he he, up until like 100 meters from the breaking zone you know when he probably went out of sight he knew he was there and he'd seen him all the way along the straight was with Verstappen it was a bit you know there is the there is the thing that you know he might not have seen him or whatever but you know I'd, I'd say it's a bit bit less blame at Stroll store, I'd say, for the Friday incident than the mm. Norris incident. I still think it was his fault, but not so blatantly. Because, you know, he was... Verstappen was never actually alongside. I don't. I think his front wing never actually got on the same level as his cockpit. Or, you know, just like the very front of his front wing was about level with Lance's cockpit. It's about halfway up, yeah.
1: I'll put it this yeah. way. If, if Racing Point think what Stroll did was okay, then we'll see cars spinning and crashing. Every single, every single time there's a, a close overtake.
0: It's not been a good season for Racing Point when it yeah. should have been an amazing season. No. Um, I think we can safely agree that there's obviously been a bit of a storm uh, at the start of the weekend regarding um, Lance Stroll's positive COVID test, Lawrence Stroll's positive COVID test, and the actions Racing Point took at the Nürburgring. We've discussed that and ranted lyrical, I'm coining that phrase, on... Um, our previous podcast episode, our preview episode. and uh, More information has come out about that since um, we published that episode. And um, Racing Point have been given a formal warning by the FIA. So that means they can do it again and again and again. And they yeah, have changed the rules in that everyone needs to have, everyone needs, if they're coming to the circuit, needs to have been, you know, had a COVID test 24 hours or so beforehand. So I think they're really upping the amount of tests they're going to be doing now rather than doing sort of every four days, they're doing pretty much every day. So, or every two days. So they are they are making changes, but it feels a bit like Racing Point have
2: got away with it a bit. Well, it's kind yeah. of after the after the horse has bolted, isn't it? You know, yeah. it's, so you see that this could be a potential problem. And, you know, it's the same with when they're really pushing for Perez to get back. Um, I think at Silverstone, then, yeah, it's just not, the it it just looks like their biggest. Um the most important thing to them is getting a driver, you know, getting their driver in the car to race rather than the safety. Which it shouldn't be.
1: If I was an
0: HR manager at Racing Point, I'd be expecting a lot of complaints on Monday from myself. Yeah.
1: yeah. Whoever's decision it is to make these decisions. <laughs> was weird. Uh yeah, is is It's not making the right decisions, essentially. It's (laughs) just, I don't know. The racing, I'm really not, I used to really like forcing the racing point. This year, they really have taken a turn. Otmar Safiour, I think, I don't think he's doing himself much good with what he's been saying and stuff this year. Uh, He's always become like Christian Horner. (laughs) uh, (laughs) Whoa. Uh, yeah, I don't, I yeah, I don't want to say anything too robust. I'll I'll leave it there. <laughs>
0: Take oh, no, let's be robust. It. I mean, that team has been pretty <laughs> similar since it's Jordan days. Andrew Green, who's the technical director, has been there since the Jordan one nine one ninety one season. So, do we think there's obviously good eggs in that team? But do we think the management needs to sort of
2: have a little bit of a, a refresh? Possibly, Poss- maybe. Maybe just the philosophy. I think just less when it all costs. That's a good you know, idea. I, I
1: I don't. I'm not best impressed with the drivers as well this year as well. With on track matters, I think the drivers have let let racing point down when they should be further ahead in the championship. But off track, yeah, I, I can see some management changes. And with Aston Martin coming into the sport, there might be those changes anyway next year.
2: Yeah. Yeah, it's more more of a brand's um, image at risk mm. than there is with Rating Point at the mo- at the moment. So hopefully that will that will do it. I was trying to think of a good good egg hen metaphor, but I couldn't, <laughs> I couldn't get there. Obviously the people who are there, the
0: Ottmar Safnauers of the team have well just him, has has been there for a long time and have performed well with the team and we can look at all of the administration stuff that went down in 2018, and can understand that that was done primarily with a lot of care about the staff in mind. Um, I think, yeah, we're not going to go out there and say that Racing Point don't ever care for anyone who works for them. Oh no, but they are, and they're a racing team. And at the end of the day, they want to race. But um, it's it's the time of the, the time of world at the moment that makes sense, where um, caution is. The priority and it just reeks a little bit of recklessness from Mm -hmm. from the Pink Panthers we've got through this podcast without mentioning who's won the race Lewis Hamilton the race all right it was Lewis Hamilton um did you know that Nigel
1: I forgot did Lewis Hamilton
0: win the race we don't know because we haven't spoken about it for at least 25 minutes of this podcast so Mm. we've made a little bit of a faux pas in the same way that F1 have. They celebrated Hamilton matching the record with such a aplomb that when he broke the record, it all felt a bit, oh, okay. But that's what happened. Lewis Hamilton is the record holder for the most Formula 1 victories. He is the most successful Formula 1 driver of all time. He's the winningest. He's the winningest. The winningest Winning. podcast. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, I he think, is. Yeah,
2: <laughs> as Thanks you say, that. I think it's a shame that I think for me anyway, and we discussed this a bit at the end of last week's podcast that they did so much celebration of the of him equaling it. I guess that you know worked well with the you know Schumacher, Link, and Mick being there, kind of like oh, they're on the same level now. But it wasn't you know, it 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 was always it wasn't like it was the last race of this season and he might retire might not, you know, it was always very likely that he would go on to break it potentially within two weeks. So yeah, I think that's kind of a bit of a shame, but, you know, at least he's had a big celebration of it and, you know, he's as you say, he's numerically the the best driver in F one history and, you know, it's just such a fantastic achievement to break a record that people never thought would be broken.
1: I've, I've got to talk about his performance at Portugal. He didn't lead mm. any session until Q3, and then stuck it on pole of the final lap. He did two laps uh, on the medium tyres to beat Bottas, which broke his heart. It was kind of Bottas', Bottas mistake, I think, to not yeah. do two laps. He only decided to do one. But in the race, even when he struggled early on with the tyre temperatures, uh, dropped back to 3rd into didn't he, And then the way he came back at Bottas again showing that even when he's behind, he can still make an on track overtake against his teammate in the same car, same equipment, equal opportunities. and Manages tires perfectly to finish about 25 seconds ahead, like yeah. that. 25 uh, and a half
0: seconds ahead. It was, mm. I think, it's the biggest winning margin this year.
1: Mm. And you know, it was just phenomenal the way he. he he does wonders with these tyres. The way he manages it, I don't know how he does it. Yes, he complains on the team radio. I personally, I just think that's a coded message for, oh, this is actually far into the team, just yeah. to, call to create some entertainment perhaps, uh, and it's just remarkable because the consistency across his stint, he just gets faster and faster and faster every lap. But it should be the other way around with the tyres. He should be going slower and slower. But the way he does it, there's no one else like it. Not even uh, the and some people might say, is the closest person to Hamilton. Not even he is anywhere near Hamilton when it comes to time management in this modern era. 92 wins. He deserves, he deserves every single one of them. I think ushery uh, have probably watched all of them, if, if not most of them. And it's just, just incredible to think that Schumacher's record has been beaten so quickly. Just 14 years after Schumacher's uh, last victory in Formula One. Who knows how long Hamilton's record will stand for, and how many wins Hamilton will get in his Formula One career?
0: Yeah, what, what's I think what's the limit?
1: I hope there is one. I, well, yeah, I could see him getting 110, 120 wins.
2: Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I, th- I think he'll he'll be the first driver to break a hundred. Wow. And yeah, as you say, you know, I, I think. A lot of it depends on, you know, when the rules, new rules comes in, how competitive he is there. But, you know, I think he'll he'll still be winning races then. And it's, you know, he's, I'd imagine he'll win a lot next season, you know, anyway. So, yeah, I think, and it's also, yes, he's, you know, had had a dominant Mercedes for seven years now of his career. But, um, you know, it's also... You know he's won in every season, even when he had the uncompetitive Mercedes in 2013 when he had some dogs of a McLaren car. You know he still won races then, and he I think he won 25, 30 odd with McLaren as well, which is you know yeah, considering 20, they weren't a front runner. 21, I think. you know, all right at the front. So yeah, I think he's you know the the consistency over his career is you know just as just as impressive as you know it is it is today. He is the
0: third driver in the list of win percentage. The only two drivers ahead of him are Juan Manuel Fangio and Alberto Ascari, and that is saying something because they only entered like fifty or thirty Grand Prix and have a win percentage. Fangio's win percentage is forty-six percent. Ascari's is thirty-nine percent. Hamilton's is thirty-five percent. In the modern era, to have a win percentage that crushing is unbelievable Mm. and you guys have put it absolutely perfectly he deserves this wholeheartedly and it is I yeah only four drivers have got above 50 wins and if he gets to 100 he's yeah it's it's beyond belief how good Lewis Hamilton is and how good Lewis Hamilton still is and how much better Lewis Hamilton is still getting we we look Mm. at drivers when they get to an age of sort of losing a touch a bit we've spoken about Raikkonen earlier in this podcast and arguably he hasn't really been the same so much since his um, Ferrari days because he was around 35 36 at that and everyone was calling for a retirement from him but Lewis Hamilton completely bucks the trend on that and just gets better and better and better and I think The day Lewis Hamilton hangs up his helmet for the last time is going to be a sad day for Formula One because he is the all-time great of this sport, I think,
2: and I'm I'm happy to say that. Yeah, another another driver that we've spoken about today, Sebastian Vettel. You know, it's the same the same thing with him. He's just not been able to keep that consistency up, and you know, it's now. Circling back to this race, you know he's winning races in different ways. You know this season he's won a lot of races just by being better on his tires Mm. than than Bottas or his closest competitor. It feels like that's maybe more more this season that you know, and that must be so depressing for Bottas because you know he it's a catch twenty two. You know he's either he's either got to you know hold his tires, you know, to manage his tires, and you know he'll be slower every lap, or he can try to hang on, but knowing that. Hamilton He'll will be able to go the faster the in his. Yeah, yeah, exactly, and yeah, I'd, I'd agree with you that he's the all-time greatest at sport.
0: I'm going to put something to both of you now, um, and it's it's it bringing it back to the weekend a bit more that's just gone. Do we think Lewis Hamilton is holding a bit back in practice? He's he's not pushing. He he knows where the limit is. Do you think he's got the knowledge of that that he can when he needs to in qualifying, then unlock a potential of the car, and then when it comes to the race step that up, that he can lull Bottas into a sense of security, but Bottas thinks the limit is at a certain point and then can't practice to go beyond that limit. And Bottas thinks the weekend's in his favour and Hamilton's just got much more knowledge on what the car can do.
1: That's a very good question, Freddie. Uh, <laughs> good question. Uh, someone, a friend of mine who watches a bit of F1, he said, I wonder if Bottas does more homework before, before the races which is why it's faster in the free practice and stuff. I don't really buy into that theory. Uh, I, I do think Halter perhaps does hold that little bit back. Uh, you know, when fo- he perhaps focuses more on the races uh, in, in practice to fine tune the setup and stuff and understand the tyres and work, you what know, to save the tyres with the corners and things like that. Uh, yeah, I'm really not sure. It's a really good question. Uh, I guess that's why he, he always wins, he, uh, there, there must be some kind of, maybe, maybe not a secret, but whatever he is doing, it, it's right. And I'm,
2: I'm not He's always so- playing the game. Sure. Yeah. yeah. I, th- I, I think it might be kind of, maybe for him, you know, there's there's no point kind of getting mentally fatigued by FP3, you know, kind of thinking, think about, mm. oh, you know, I've got to get the fastest time here because it doesn't affect him if he's been off colour right up until Q3, you know, as long as he's there in the session, then, then he can go, you know, he, he knows he has that confidence that he can go faster than anyone else on the grid. And so I think, you know, it might, it might just be, you know, that he, he knows he doesn't need to, you know, as long as he, as long as he gets what he needs to, in terms of, you know, getting the car set up nailed and all of that out of practice sessions. You know, it doesn't matter whether he's fastest or not ultimately, because, mm. you know, you don't get any points on Friday. I think you're right
0: about the confidence. He knows he doesn't need to and when he he knows when he needs to. And mm. I think the 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 cool head of Lewis Hamilton <laughs> was exemplified <coughs> perfectly in Sochi Q two, when yeah. it looked like he wasn't going to be able to set a lap time and he still backed up and he still had the confidence to go out on the soft tyres and then set a lap time to get into Q3 and then eventually get pole position. But he was on the cusp by a few seconds. He had Bono in his ear um, having a little bit of a fit saying, go, go, go. Hamilton had the cool, calm head and was like, it's alright. I can take my time with this. And he still managed to do it. I mean, I don't know what he has in his dash whether he has a countdown clock or something, but he's, he's cool. <laughs> he's cool under pressure. Yeah. And yeah, he, he rants on the radio a bit. He vents a little bit about his tyres. And that, I think, think like you say, it could be a bit of a game. It could also just be a bit of a coping mechanism. But he knows what he needs to do. And he does it to perfection. I think that's all we really need, can say on the <laughs> matter, I think. Yeah. yeah. We yeah. speak about Lewis uh, more and more as this podcast has gone on. Um, it's our first series. But I think if you've been with us since the beginning as all three of us have because we do it um more and more we talk about the greatness that is Lewis Hamilton I think we all need to be aware that we are watching history we are watching the greatest Formula One driver of all probably for a very long time um records are there to be broken Schumacher's record has been broken will Hamilton's record be broken that's the the next big question of the next 20 years but that's a 20-year question. It's a two-decade question. We'll be in our late 30s, 40s when we're thinking about that. So um, I think we all need to appreciate this driver while we're here. And I think I think we're doing a good job of it. Um, but yeah, he is one of a kind and deserves the seventh championship that could well come his way in Turkey two races from now. If Bottas had retired in Portugal, it could have come to him in Imola, I think. Um, so presumably Mercedes is going to wrap up the constructors next week and the the drivers championship is probably to come in the next three so if Hamilton continues this winning form that he cannot escape then I think a lot of smiles are there to be looked forward to for him that made sense
1: yeah
0: um, <laughs> so I'm moving just gonna, on moving on um, does anyone have a driver of the day? We've spoken about we've spoken about Charles Leclerc. We've spoken about Kimi Raikkonen. There's a driver we haven't spoken about, uh, Sergio Perez. He oh, had a he very my good. day. Of the day. He, he your driver of the day?
1: Yeah, he is my driver of the day.
0: There yes. we go. Nigel, do you want to present the case for Sergio Perez?
1: Well, it's kind of a bit awkward, isn't it? What I've been uh, not giving the best words to Racing Point. But yeah, I think Sergio Perez <laughs> Perez had a great great weekend, a great recovery from that racing incident on the first lap with Max Uh Did he pit
0: after that? He, he pit like immediately. That?
1: Yeah. Yeah. So he had to do an extra pit stop. No safety cars or virtual safety cars to help him. He had to come from in the act of completing the field overtake. Cars one by one. He managed his tyres brilliantly to extend his stint and. To go from last to fifth, and then yeah, he lost out at the end into Gasly. Uh, but nevertheless, last to, into a top six place uh, is a fantastic drive, I think, from Perez. When when I don't know why I'm going with this. It was a great, it was a great recovery.
2: <laughs> I think he could he could well have held on to the fifth place as well had it. You know, he, he the soft tyres just fell off a bit at the end. Um, he, lo- he lost a few points for me with his very very late move on Gasly. Yeah. Um, I think on at the start of lap sixty five for them. That that felt very uneasy easy viewing for me. Um, and you know, as you say, science overtook him um, at the end too. But yeah, you know, just such a such a brilliant recovery drive. From him and, you know, showing, potentially showing, well, definitely showing why he should be on the grid and, you know, why he maybe shouldn't have, you know, had a seat in doubt in the first place. When we look at the other, you know, the driver who took his seat. Um, but yeah, he, he's my driver of the day as well. Very close between Gasly and him, I think. Yeah. But I'll yeah. go for Perez.
1: Perez had a great battle with former teammate Esteban Ocon as well. There's loads of great battles in the That's That was brilliant. Yeah. Really good. Yeah. Räikkönen and science I think as well, something similar yeah. happened but again the track uh, helped with the racing through the first five turns but also the respect and the quality of the drivers to give each other just enough room and to be aware of where the rival is it was, there was some fantastic racing it's, it's the thing I love most about motorsport, seeing drivers go head to head, side by side trying to uh, out out with each other at mm. over 100 miles an hour on the racetrack mm. that's what I love about motorsport and Perez and Ocon was just one example of many great battles on Sunday
0: yeah the midfield the midfield drivers really showed their class this weekend and the the cream rose to the top because you had um like you say sainz and Räikkönen with an absolutely mega side by side scrap from pretty much what turn two or three. Round to turn eight, and it was same with Ocon and Perez. And either every corner, you didn't know whether one would get a little bit more traction or not, and how it would work. And it was exciting as hell to watch. I do think Pierre Gasly, I'd say, had an excellent weekend to come back from missing out basically on all the meaningful running in practice too, because they did um they did a Pirelli tire test for the first half hour of practice too, which basically negated any running for them anyway. So. To then catch fire after that, then to have a chassis change overnight, to make some vague setup changes that were, you know, they weren't entirely on board with as a team. But to then come out of that and be um, one of the fastest cars in qualifying and practice three and to finish, I believe, fifth in the end in the race yeah. um, is fantastic, I think, for Pierre Gasly. I'd say he's my driver of the day because mm. on the soft tyres, he was unbelievable compared to. Um, Sainz, who took the lead of the race and uh, Verstappen um, it was who you'd expect a bit more from. I think Gasly was the driver who worked the tyres best for me. Um, mm. uh, so I'm going to give him driver of the day.
1: And, and his overtake on Perez as well, after Perez was pretty robust to say the least. You know, <laughs> reprimand, which I think was yeah. fully deserved. His overtake to keep uh, keep the throttle. Uh, to the floor and goes to the right hand side on the dirty line. But in the final two laps, I thought that was a proper ballsy overtake from mm. and he, he made it stick.
0: It was a pure raw drive from him and he mm. performed mm. to the best of the card's abilities and the best of his abilities. And he's another driver who has trounced his teammate this weekend. Daniel Kvyat was... He actually finished dead last in the end because he, um, he had a five-second penalty for track limits abuse, um, which we're trying, starting to see a bit more of, which is fair enough, to be honest. If if other drivers can manage it, then you didn't. And Kvyat was uh, 19th compared to Gasly's 5th. And I think that says a lot about Pierre Gasly's current run of form. Maybe he shouldn't be at AlphaTauri. Um, but that's a debate that has been running all season. And leads us to a driver who I think Nigel has a lot to say about. Alex Albon, who did not perform amazingly.
1: I didn't want to talk I didn't even bring this up. I don't, I don't want to talk about it. It's he just didn't do well, did he? We could, we could be nice first talk
2: about Leclerc. You know, we, we, we could be positive. We're not even,
1: what, what, the really only thing that was positive, positive is that he was about two seconds behind the at the finish line. Because he got lapped. That was the only thing. That was the only thing. Uh, yeah,
0: he got laps about twenty laps in the end and stayed with him.
1: Yeah, because he was on the soft tyres. That was about yeah. fifty laps <laughs> younger. <laughs> Anyone who can't stay, that is, why the enf effort or why he in effort? <laughs> uh, <laughs> It's just he needs to go. He needs to go.
2: I, I think, think the... everyone
1: else want to get Perez or Hulkenberg in that car. Put Gaz, Put Gaz, Put Albon back into. Alpha Tauri with Gasly, who is confirmed for next year, exclusive on the, uh, yeah. <laughs> I see, if,
0: think, see if people will pick up on that.
2: <laughs> I think the, the worst, or potentially most damning thing, is it's not kind of news anymore. I think after Silverstone won, I think we we kind of had a big discussion about. I think a similar race, or I think he actually had a better race than this weekend. Then, but you know, mm. big discussion about you know this isn't the type of race he needs to have. He needs coming back next weekend and he did come back and do better at Silverstone too. But um but now it's just kind of not um you know it, it's it's not kind of out of the ordinary anymore. It's like Aben had another bad race and you know I, I agree it's just not it's not doing him any good staying in the seat, I don't think, you know, ultimately it's not doing Rebel any good and it's not doing him any good. Unfortunately.
0: Yeah, I think you're right. It is you're right about it. it's not news. It's it's expected for Albon to qualify wherever he qualified, fifth, sixth, and then finish out of the points. It's it's the third race in a row, really, where that's happened. Sochi and Nürburgring. Mm. And now Portimao. Um, right, so we're running out of time, but there's a few drivers we haven't spoken about. And I'm just going to ask you to, to give me one-word answers for the drivers we haven't spoken about. I'm going to rattle through them so... You've got to give your first response and you can't give the other person's response. So, we haven't spoken about Ricardo. What do you think about Ricardo? Adam, your first. Average. Disappointing. Disappointing. Average. Average. Yeah. Mediocre. Cool. Um, George Russell, 14th.
1: Overrated.
0: <laughs> oh, okay. Okay. We're not allowed to delve into this, but we are. Overrated. All right. Nice Niger- hey, yeah. um, <laughs> Mm-hmm. Elaborate.
1: I just think he's an overrated driver personally, I don't think I think his qualifying is exceptional, I think he's, he's very very good, I think when it comes to the races I don't think he's uh, I don't think he's quite got the race pace and I'd love to see him in a better car to see if that's true and I hope I'm wrong but I do think his race pace could be a big weakness and we'll see if that is, is true in the next few years
0: finish race started mm.
1: Mm. that's not just from this race by the way that's like from over the season and the stuff I should say so, yeah.
2: Adam I'll, I'll be I'll be pro- provocative and say underrated
1: underrated everyone thinks he's the next Lewis Hamilton <laughs> oh my god
0: if he were in Mercedes <laughs> he wouldn't be, doing as, wouldn't be doing as good as Bottas that's my yeah, that's my really thoughts don't. on that yeah. um I think he had a good race, though. So, I'm going to say... <clears throat> uh, uh, very good. That's what I'm saying. Um, <laughs> Antonio Giovinazzi, 15th. Italian.
1: Okay. Um, Nigel. Poor, but he's going to stay there for next year. Cool. Um, yeah,
2: yeah.
0: um, staying power. Kevin Magnussen, finished 16th. I, I don't, I don't, don't, know, how I don't <laughs> know how to judge the
1: house drivers. I don't know how to judge the house drivers.
0: Okay. Then I'll skip Grosjean. Um, Nicholas Latifi, 18.
1: <laughs> why
0: Two laps
2: down. Two laps down. That's was all
1: right. It was all right. He's doing enough to keep his seat.
2: <laughs> his dad's doing enough to keep his seat.
0: Levanse is doing enough to keep his seat. Wow. Um, mm. And... I think we've touched on everyone on the grid in this podcast. So that's pretty good. We spoke about Ocon's racing. We spoke about Kvyat's not very good performance.
1: Ocon had a very good weekend, though. One of his better weekends, I think. Uh,
0: Mm. Ocon had a brilliant weekend. He was on the mediums for 55 laps before he pit. In a 66 lap yes. race? Yes,
1: that's right. Yeah.
0: Not bad. Go I mean, on, Raikkonen but... was on his medium 54 laps before the end and I think Perez did a similar similar thing on long tyres. Um, so these guys have done pretty well with tyre wear, um, even on Portimao, which was a quite a slippery and early Sochi-esque track in terms of tyre wear. Everyone thought it was going to be a two-stop and then it wasn't and no one knew what was going on and I quite enjoyed that. Um, okay, so Imola next week We're going to have a preview podcast coming up for that Adam's going to be hosting that He's been teasing his Imola quiz if, To me quite a lot In that he is trying is he? to catch me out Because he oh. is still angry at me For asking him a question That he didn't
1: oh, know yeah. the answer for um, Hey Adam, do you know the soccer World Championships was at Imola, right?
2: Yes Nigel, I do know that <laughs> That's why I wanted to do this quiz <laughs>
0: So, I'm going to go and watch the Cycling World Championships.
1: No, he's not. No, I'm probably <laughs> not.
0: Um, you guys got any fun plans coming up? I'm trying to add a new element to the podcast, like a personal element.
2: Uh, uh, yeah, I'm going to do my location voicer for my course, uh, journalism course. I'm what are you doing, doing it on, Adam? What are you doing? Your year uh, report? Demolition I'm... site slash construction site that's outside my back window. Um, yeah, and then, yeah. And then got a to a lovely uh, law lecture, media law lecture later today. So looking forward to that. Oh yeah,
1: I forgot about that.
0: <laughs> what a brilliant personal insight into Adam's life. <laughs> Nigel, can you give us any 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 nuggets of joy?
1: I might McDonald's actually, now you've said nuggets
0: i was gonna go to McDonald's. Brilliant,
2: winging <laughs> <laughs> F1 cast brought one podcast, brought to you by McDonald's. Oh, we wish, we really wish. Um, if anyone <laughs> wants
0: to be KFC. a sponsor, please send I us go an email. Went KFC
1: yesterday.
0: <laughs> went to KFC yesterday. Don't don't get know. rid of our sponsors. Mm. Um, so <laughs> if anyone wants if you to do... donate money to us. Um, winging it F1 podcast at gmail.com and I'll give you my bank details. Yeah, or... No, seriously,
1: give us some money if you like our content. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> or
2: tweet it at, at WingingF1, or my personal... Oh, no, oh no it, Adam's dropped himself. Or my personal... <laughs> my personal... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, the fan is fallen over. My. Per-
0: <laughs> Adam's... Okay, uh, Twitter, everyone. Adam's, Adam's Twitter, Twitter is, is at AdamDickinson01. One. One.
2: <laughs> I'm at Brokos1999. Oh,
0: Nigel is at Nigel C. Giorno. Oh, Fantastic. Okay. Um, you can follow us there. You can see our opinions on things there. We share articles there. And every now and again, we... An exclusive
1: tweet as well. After every time. now and
0: again, Nigel has an exclusive tweet from his sources in Italy um, who speak French. So, brilliant. <laughs>
1: That's how I got the Alpine news. <laughs> <laughs>
0: he knows what he's doing so anyway thanks very much everyone for listening or watching to our ramblings for this podcast i made sense there as i have done all through the podcast thank you very much tune in for our imola preview episode on thursday have a brilliant time thank you so much goodbye